We have recently completed a fantasy football trade, Mr. Grandin. We did. So congratulations to that. Great way to kick off the last week of the preseason, I'd say. I think you and I, a, a trade was, you, you knew a trade was going to get done. You just knew it was going to get done. So I'm obsessed with trades. So, you know, it had to get done. Um, but all in all, how's the first week of class treating you down there in the Queen City? Well, it, it, it it's not it's not too bad it's you know one of the last semesters of college so you gotta you gotta soak it in but at the same time I, it's a little weird because it, it it's kind of weird yeah adult life coming up right around the corner now yeah so well without further ado let's just get right into some Bengals talk it's been a pretty mundane week around the Bengals front uh albeit a couple of big stories um kind of brewing up right now one of them we'll get to later with um there's a question related to it uh taking questions today there's a question related to it that we'll answer later as far as jamar chase and his off the field situation go uh but the other big story of the week announced today joe burrow gonna play probably five or six snaps sunday at home against the dolphins just right off the bat initial thoughts this can't be anything but uh other than a great sign yeah, I think it's a good sign. I think, I and I honestly, I don't think this is, a, I don't think this is a Zach Taylor decision. I think it's a Joe Burrow decision. I think Joe wants to get out there before Week One, and uh, play against a live defense. I think that'll be good for him. Probably, I mean, at most two series, but and and if the first series goes long, it's one series. So, like you yeah, said, it's not going to be anything special. It's going to be, uh, if it's one series, it's going to be a run, a run, and a wide receiver screen, and then he's going to be getting the hell off the field. Um, but Trey Hopkins is also going to play a couple of snaps on Sunday, which is just more great news. Yeah, it's going to, it's going to get that starting quote unquote, starting offensive line, three, four reps together for in and, and a live game situation with, with real contact. So I think that'll be good for them. Yep. And Zach Taylor also announcing that Xavier Suofilo and Quentin Spain will be the starting guards for those, uh, for those couple of plays that Joe Burrow is in on Sunday. So all indications appear that the starting O-line is set for the season opener against Minnesota. Jonah Williams, Quentin Spain, Trey Hopkins, Xavier Suofilo, Riley Reef. Just kind of what are your thoughts? Uh, I mean, it does essentially look like that's going to be what it is, correct? Yeah, yeah. And I, and I think that's right now at the current moment, I think that's the, the, what, what it should be. So, Yeah, I don't think you'll find any debate from us here. Um, I think Michael Jordan, I would have been okay with him starting. Uh, I don't think there's really any uh, reason for him to start over Suofilo per se, but I think either one of those guys in there at right guard is, is perfectly average. 
Um, if you're going for the approach that has no uh, just awful players on the offensive line, like you had two last year, uh, I think you've really uh, gone ahead and, and shored that up. Yeah, and I and I think Suafilo is the is the one guy on that line that could be replaced if one of those rookies, if one of the two rookies could uh, take a jump in the next couple of weeks or during this season. Yeah, uh, I think that there's a uh, maybe it was uh, one of the podcasts, one of the many Bengals podcasts I listened to. Um, I think they were talking to the old Cowboys O line coach, and he basically said that Xavier Suafilo is a great player so long as he's the worst O lineman on your or the worst starting offensive lineman that you have. So that appears to be the case right now with the Bengals. And so uh, it, I, I think that that will be um, a surprise. A lot of people as a relatively competent offensive line. Yeah. And I, and I, and you're right. I mean, he's, he's the best lineman because he's the best if he's the worst starting on line because he's average. Yeah. And yeah. we've talked about this many times before NFL average is very, very hard to come by. Yes. As we've seen. So I, I, I think that's great. I th- if he's going to be a worst lineman, it's awesome. But yeah. that, that, that's And, you know, going to switching on to discussion from Saturday, Friday night's game against Washington, uh, you watched I, most of it. I only watched uh, the second half or so, but uh, I did see that the offensive line did not give up a single sack. And it looked like there were a couple of really good plays by Jonah Williams against Chase Young. Yeah, James played really well in those first couple series that they were in. They almost played like the whole first quarter. Um, yeah, they played really well. Uh, the, I mean, the offensive line looked pretty good against uh, Washington football team's D-line, who is stacked with former first-rounders and obviously Chase Young. So they played well. The only problem, obviously, we, we'll talk about it, but it's it was the Jamar Chase drops. But I think the offense was clicking, and I also think it's kind of hard because Joe Burrow's not playing. So, I mean, Brandon Allen's given the protections, given the calls. So I think everybody's got to take a deep breath on that one, but I think the O-line performed pretty well. Yeah. And so let's get the whole recap of the game out of the way before we get to the big story of the week, which is Jamar Chase and the dropsies and the yips that he has. So just going through the whole game, uh, the starting defense once again turned in a stellar performance. Um, it looked like they had one missed assignment, and that was that big play to Logan Thomas, and Jermaine Pratt got his ass chewed for that. Um, but other than that, they've, uh, had a, might've been the first time I have ever seen the Bengals in the last three years, get a stop on fourth and short. Well, I mean, maybe even third and short, I mean, I, I, last time, I mean, we game week 17 last year and I mean, we get a third and one and you would, I mean, you might as well just give them first and 10 then, right? I mean, they're just wasting time by not giving them, they, they have not been able to get off the field on third and short and fourth and short. And it gives me hope, even if it was a preseason game that they get off the field. Yeah. I, I have really bought into the fact that this Bengals defense this year is going to be a changed group from what we've seen the last couple of years. They had a very nice uh, pocket push and got a sack. Uh, I think it was Ogan, Joby Hendrickson and Hubbard all combining uh, on the sack there um the linebackers played really well logan wilson with a forced fumble um and then the dbs once again chidobi awuji has played had a great preseason um yeah, playing he some, nice, yeah. He had a nice play on that deep ball to terry mclaurin he was right. all like yeah I, I watched it it was either he was catching it or nobody was catching it i really i really liked the way that he looked against scary terry 
Right. And so what were your, I mean, you watched more of the game than I did. So kind of what were your takeaways on the defensive side of the ball from Friday night? Yeah. So I thought the defense was, I think they played awesome. I mean, basically throughout the whole game, the only, at the end, they, they let up a score because, um, because the offense fumbled the ball on their, on our own 30, but I thought they played really well. I thought the first team defense played really well. I thought the backups played well. It's kind of, it, it's kind of exciting to see the Bengals play with some swag on defense. Like it, it's kind of, it's kind of cool to see that, you know, there's some culture there now where the expectation isn't. Up. I think it's kind of interesting to see that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I think it's very interesting that we've kind of seen this step forward on defense this year, instead of having seen it last year, I'm kind of just curious as to why that's the case. Um but nonetheless, I'm glad that it's here. I'm glad, like you said, they're playing with some swag, some attitude. Um, now, vis-a-vis this week, uh, Zach Taylor also announced today, uh, being Wednesday, that the starting defense is not going to play on Sunday against Miami. So we will see all the defensive guys uh, in the opener against Dalvin Cook, Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, and Minnesota, which will be an awesome test for those guys. Um, and I'm really looking forward to seeing them uh, in that week one game, uh, after what we've seen so far this preseason, I mean, even the back end guys, you got Jalen Davis is making plays everywhere on the field right now. Uh, Marcus Bailey had two PBUs the other night should have been interceptions. Um, I think really the only negative so far on the defense has been the health of one Joseph Osai, who we found out this week is, is probably done for the season. It's kind of interesting because we, um, I personally thought that it was, um, and his no is at all. I must have been in the dark on that one, but yeah, I think it sucks because he played so well in that first preseason game, and it's kind of disappointing not have him for the rest of the year. So yeah, he he showed out in that <clears throat> in that first preseason game, and the fact that he is done for the year now is just so disheartening, and it just continues on that trend of these Bengals draft picks, just having no injury luck whatsoever. Um, but positive note to a very bad situation, this probably opens up a roster, fo- roster spot for Darius Hodge, which he has been electric so far this preseason. Another, I think he had a sack and a half on Friday night. What did you see out of him that really gets you excited about him filling up the back end of the roster? Yes. Yeah, so I, I, so we lost Carl Lawson to the Jets. And it sucked to see him get hurt that season-ending injury he had. But other than him, the last couple of years, we have, we've had no speed rushers off the edge. We've had no pressure. And I think it was kind of, even though it was preseason and Joseph Osai got hurt, but it's kind of nice to see some people on the team be able to get to the quarterback on a, yeah. on a consistent basis. So it's really exciting to see what Darius Hodge is doing because even though he can't probably stop the run against, you know, in the regular season against a team who's got a scheme against him, I think it's cool that he can get after the quarterback because I, I, that's something we need desperately. Now with the OSI injury, are you worried at all now about overall depth on the defensive line? I mean, as a Bengals fan, I didn't, I mean, it's kind of hard because I, with him, I still wouldn't say that we were very deep on the, or on the D line, Yeah. but I think without him, it, it, it it's going to be a problem. Yeah. I mean, especially on the the outside perspective I think we have enough people on the inside but the outside perspective I think is going to be a problem yeah it looks right now like they're going to be relying a lot on some unproven guys at that position in cam sample 
uh, Darius Hodge and then Khalid, Khalid Kareem um, from last year. So behind Hubbard and Hendrickson, you really are relying on some development along that D-line, which to be fair, Marlon or Marion Hobby has done a great job of developing defensive linemen uh, throughout his NFL career. So there's nothing to suggest that that means a bad thing. It just means that you lose a very, very productive piece of that um, defensive speed rush group. And for a team that had a god-awful pass rush last year, you really would have liked to see the fact that they have more options than just the five guys that they're going to have there now. Yeah, and another takeaway that uh, I was going to say, Tyler Shelvin, when he was in, if if he can stay in shape and he can stay on the field, he is a big, big man, and I think he could really stop or help us stop the run. Tyler Shelvin is not a small individual. That is he, sure. He made NFL offensive guards look like me next to him. He is three fifty. He he's big. He is. He played. Really, I thought he played really well when he got his hands when he didn't get um, his hands caught up underneath him, I thought he played really well. I think that this, this is a year of development for him, but I think next year, once the Bengals get him in through their weight program, get him a season going in the Bengals program, uh, I think next year you could see a scary uh, rush defensive front with Tyler Shelvin, Josh Tupo, and DJ Reader all just clogging the middle of that D-line on, on short yardage situations. I mean, you're not moving any of those three guys. You're not moving Tyler Shelvin with that. I mean, maybe with a double team, but yeah, he's big. He's a big boy. Um, so, yeah, overall, I think you and I both come away. Uh, just a recap of the preseason so far for the defense. I think we are both just blown away. They look like they're flying around to the football. They finally look like they actually know what they're doing. And the, the, the most important part is those two linebackers, Logan Wilson, Jermaine Pratt, both looking very solid so far. Yeah, and I, I think what you said is they just seem like they know what they're doing. I think that's very important because I feel like some of those people in that D, defense have always been good. Jesse Bates has always been good. But I think it adds something to the confidence of everybody if everybody feels like they're on the same page and everybody um, is confident what they're doing. I think that's a big part of defense. If, if, if only a couple of people are confident, then it, it, it doesn't really help out. So I think it is understated the stability that they have in the back end now as well. Um, I mean, we've seen it all this preseason. They've got uh, legit, they've got five legit corners back there that if they put in a game right now, I would feel comfortable with all five of them. Waynes, Awujier, Hilton, uh, Darius Phillips, Jalen Davis, Eli Apple's coming off or, or is going to be ready to go in the opener, it seems like. So you've got five or six corners that you would feel comfortable playing in a game. What a change that is from last year. When's the last time you've said that about the bang, about Bengals corners? It looked like they were putting that this uh, Santa hat behind me out there last year. Uh, to play defensive back at some points. Remember that Steelers game when we just got singed? Um, yeah, I mean, you might as well put a trash can out there and told Juju Smith to run past it. I mean, yeah. I don't So very comfortable going into the opener with how this def defense is shaping up. And let, let's remind people, uh, we'll get more into this as, as the Minnesota game approaches. Minnesota's offensive line is not good. So 
that game, I think, is is ve- first of all, it's very winnable for the Bengals, and we'll get into more of this in a couple of weeks. Very winnable, and they will be able to get pressure on Kirk Cousins. And when you get pressure on that piece of crap quarterback, I'm sorry, I'm gonna hold my language. He makes mistakes, and this secondary has proven over the years that they can capitalize on those mistakes. So very, very optimistic to see the defense in a couple of weeks. Yeah, yeah, and I think, um, yeah, I, and I think Darius Hodge, I've seen some articles and stuff like that where he might not make the 53-man. I think there's no way, and I, and this is the, these articles have been recent too, I think there's no way with the Joseph Osai injury that he doesn't make the 53-man. Yeah, unless something catastrophic happens for him against Miami this weekend, I think he's a stone-cold block to make 53. Uh, I think there's he is in that group of three or four guys so far this preseason that are going into this Miami game have already cemented their spot on the roster, and we can switch – or and one of them's on the defensive side, Jalen Davis, I think. There's no way you leave him off the roster now. And then we can switch this discussion back to the offense – uh, Trenton Irwin, I think, has locked a spot up on the roster. And then after not seeing Travion Williams again last week, I got to think that Jacquez Patrick has locked up a spot. I don't know. I could be wrong there. But uh, just you can discuss those points. But take it away and just talk about what you saw from the offense on Friday night. Yeah, so Trenton Irwin, he had that nice catch over the middle. And he almost scored, but he fumbled on the one. It ended up being a uh, unnecessary roughness on their safety. But it was, I mean, it was another fumble close to the red zone for in, in two weeks. So that's kind of concerning. But he he looked good. He was getting open on his routes. It, it's kind of it's kind of weird because he doesn't look like he's gonna get that much separation. It's kind of like watching Cole Beasley for the Bills or something like that. He just finds a way to get open. And I and I and I really like what he does. And I think he can return pretty well. And I think that he is gonna win the punt return battle. Um or a special teams battle against Trent Taylor, who's also kind of battling for a spot. So, yeah, it definitely looks like Irwin's locked up a spot on the roster, which uh, basically read between the tea leaves. That means that you've got the three big ones. Um, and then you've got Auden Tate as the fourth in that receiver room, then Trent and Irwin. And then the sixth, I mean, we don't really know. Could be Stanley Morgan, maybe for a special teams. They, they really – Darren Simmons does love uh, Stanley Morgan for special teams, so it wouldn't shock me if he's the pick there. Uh, but I think there could be any – I think there's two or three guys competing for that last spot. Um, but that that's really the only competition, I think, left to watch on the roster uh, going into Sunday. Um, but o- overall on the offense, we're, we can't talk about the offense and not talk about the big story of the week, and that is Jamar Chase and, and the drops. So he gets – Three targets in the Washington game, uh, comes up empty on all three of them. Um, this is a question later uh, Later on. Uh, there were a lot of questions about Jamar Chase. But just overall, do the drops concern you um, for his career going forward? Yeah, so I think people are really overreacting about this. And that's just my opinion. But he did have three drops I think two of them were pretty two of them were pretty bad one of them one of them was kind of a hard catch but one of them was he, he was going over the middle and he basically just stopped going for it because he thought he was gonna get he thought he was gonna get killed uh, by the safety and I think that's concerning because you got to think he's thinking about getting hit while running the route like he's consciously thinking about getting hit 
he's consciously thinking about looking it in. It's not just coming naturally to him right now. So, but in the, in, in the, uh, in other news, I also read some articles and somebody that's been at Bengals training camp and practice every day said that Brandon Allen rarely throws to him in practice. So I think that's another thing to take into account. Yeah, I, I think it's important to note as far as the Washington game goes that it was Brandon Allen throwing in the ball. And two of those three throws were not perfect, albeit still should be caught. Um, as far as my concern level goes, I am worried about it. And let me just explain why. Um, it's different for us to sit here and read articles about how, and I'm not comparing the two at all. Do not, uh, do not say that I am. I'm not. It's different to sit here and read articles about Jerry Rice dropping passes in training camp and at the beginning of his rookie season and say, oh, well, Jamar Chase, I mean, he's not Jerry Rice. We're not saying he is. But Jamar Chase has a couple of similar traits, so he'll get it going. We're not going to worry about that. I think the difference becomes that you take a year off from football, and it wasn't like it was a forced injury or anything like that. It was a choice to take that year off and I'm not making any commentary on taking that year off, that, that's gone, uh, that's come and gone. But when you come back and you are struggling to the level that he is right now to where it becomes the topic that it has in the national landscape, which is a big topic, I think that there is a lot of overreaction, yes, but I think that there is a lot of justified concern about this player and whether or not that year away really messed with his timing messed with his just messed with his mojo in general and now do I think he'll get it back yes but I think it could take almost an entire season for him to get that back because and it's not like he sat out a year when he was 28 because he tore an ACL he sat out a year of prime development when he was 20 years old and to come back and drop not only catches or passes in the game, he's dropping tons of passes in practice as well. I think it is justifiable to have a pretty reasonable level of concern with the fact that, you know, I'm not questioning, I'm never going to question the pick. I think the pick was the right move. But I think it is right to question, did we really – think Jamar Chase was the pick or could could it have been one of the two other receivers who we've seen it for three straight years and they just keep going with that mojo now and this is the last thing I'll say then I'll turn it over to you Devontae Smith has also had his share of drops in this preseason so clearly it's not just a Jamar Chase thing all I'm saying is that I think that one the media overreaction is going to tell a lot about how people want this to go and the way people want this to go is they want the Bengals to not publicly admit, but they want the fans to admit, oh, yeah, we should have taken Penesul. I don't want any fans to do that because that, that's a trivial game of uh, hindsight. This comes down to Jamar Chase and just not being ready for the fact that he is going to be rusty. And the Bengals – Maybe they acknowledge that internally, but externally it has always been the expectations have been sky high. There was never an adjustment for the fact that, oh, he might have rookie rust. So I'm just tempering my expectations now. Um, 
instead of where they were pre-training camp, where I thought Jamar Chase is going to have a rookie record, all that stuff. I think I'm tempering my expectations for now just because I think we understate the amount of rust that he has after a year off. That's my spiel. I turn it over to you. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you 100%. I think having a year off and it was a chosen year off, I think that's very – I think that's – I think the way that he thinks um, about going about – or he thought about going about that was a business decision. But now that he got drafted, I think it's it's challenging for him to jump back in in a game situation when he hasn't played in a game in 19 months. So I, I think it'll come back slowly. I think we got to be patient with it. We know he's talented. We know he has a, he has good work ethic. I think it just, it's, it's, it's going to take some time. So, yeah, this is not a matter of us sounding the alarm, like some in the Bengals fan base are, or some in the national media are by no means are we saying, well, this is a, this is the d- definition of Jamar Chase's career. He's never going to catch a pass. He's just going to drop everything. I think it's just going to take more time than we expected for him to get reacclimated. Because we see flashes all the time in practice, in the games. I mean, that was a great screen pass and run that he had against Tampa Bay. And in practice, we hear all about these amazing contortion catches that he's making. So we know it's there. We just need to see it and need to uh, need to start seeing it a little more and seeing the drops a little less. But my level of concern is high, but it's nothing that I think uh, – broaches the level of of uh panic yeah and I, I agree i agree 100 with you so and we'll get more to the jamar chase drops later on um but that's kind of the primary point of that well we are monitoring the situation as they would say in the white house um let's see what else do we gotta discuss here um we've kind of gotten through everything i mean we can switch over to questions, but are, is there anything in particular particular you're looking to see out of the Miami game this weekend? Bengals are on that TV for the first time this year. Wow, CBS. Um, I am literally just looking forward to us getting through that week injury-free. That's all. That is all my hope is. Because I think I, – I trust the coaching staff with who they're going to – who's going to make the roster. And I think all I want – all I want to get through – all I want to do is get through that game injury-free. Yes, I think that's the most important part of any final game of the preseason is going into the home opener and having the one injury that we, that the Bengals have right now, which is Osai, that needs to be the one injury that they have going into Minnesota. Um, so I agree with you. There's really not going to be much to see. I mean, yes, Joe Burrow watching those couple of plays will be awesome to see him back on the field in the in the in Paul Brown Stadium. But, I mean, really, it's a preseason game, so there's not going to be uh, a whole lot to digest as far as actual substance and game film goes. We'll probably see Jackson Carmen for a bevy uh, of, of snaps. Um, and then after not seeing Deontay Smith last week because of dehydration, I imagine we'll see a fair amount of him uh, this week, uh, j- just kind of still getting him up to speed on potentially playing guard this year. Uh, um, but we'll see how that front develops uh, as the season goes on. So you got anything else before we get into questions? No, I don't have anything right now. I think, I think we hit everything. All right. So as you guys know, or if you follow us on Twitter, you know, um, Alec had the great suggestion of since this week is kind of a light episode, 
And in general, I don't think either of us feel like we're doing a great job of interacting with everybody. We said, oh, it's raining pretty hard here. Um, we said we're going to do a, an episode and open it up for some questions uh, and just have you guys ask us some questions and, and get, we'll give our thoughts on, on all those questions. So we got a fair amount of questions. Let's see here. We got one, two, three, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12. We got 12 questions to tick through. So without further ado, let's just get it started. Uh, the first question comes from Clay Hippenmeyer, known Bears fan. He'll be on the podcast in a couple of weeks. Um, expectations for Jamar Chase this year compared to other rookie receivers. Do you want you, you want to take it first? Or you want me to go? You you start with all the questions. Gotcha. Um, yeah. So I think he it, it's going to depend on a lot of factors. I think if he gets the drops down. Um, he'll have a better season. I also think he's that might not be as productive as some other ones because he also has Tyler Boyd, um, Tyler Boyd and T Higgins with him. So I think the touches are going to be limited, but I think he's going to be really, really good. So, yeah, um, I think uh, it would be foolish and, and kind of um, biased of me to come out and say, and I expect Jamar Chase to be the best rookie receiver. I don't expect him to be the best rookie receiver. Um, I think you're looking at Jamar Chase and Mr. Grand might be selecting him in our fantasy football draft. That's TBD. Um, I think it'd be realistic to expect Jamar Chase to have eight or 900 yards, four or five touchdowns, um, and maybe 45 or 50 catches. I don't think it's going to be anything special but I don't think it's going to be anything terrible. Um, personally, if I were to handicap where I think uh, the rookie receivers are going to go, I would say Devontae Smith is probably going to have the best statistical year because the Eagles literally have you and I to throw to other than him. So he's going to get all of the throws in that offense. Um, I also think that Elijah Moore with the Jets could have a really good statistical season uh, depending on Zach Wilson and whether or not he's the real deal. Um, and then I think the the other name to mention here is going to be Terrace Marshall with Carolina. Um, he has had a really great preseason so far, and he was the guy at LSU that was the man before he opted out uh, in the middle of last season. So I think Jamar Chase is probably statistically finishing third or fourth as far as the rookie receivers go. Um, but I think he's going to be just what the Bengals need to take the top off the defense uh, and kind of be in that AJ Green role without being AJ Green. Um, so there's our answer to Clay's question. Um, let's see, next question. Uh, this one comes from Brendan Beal. Uh, he is a, a University of Cincinnati student um, and a Raiders fan. Uh, expectations slash things you want to see improved from Zach Taylor this year? So I think the one thing that we're seeing from Zach Taylor is the culture that he's building. I think that's important. He, I think they're building a pretty good culture in Cincy right now. And I, and I want to see a step where we win some close games instead of losing all the close games we're in. I want to see a couple wins where we're down by three and we win by four or we're down by 
we're down by three and we force overtime and can win overtime. I just want to see a step up from losing one possession games. Yeah. Um, I think it is, I think the worthwhile expectation to have of Zach Taylor this year, and this ties into a question that we'll get to later on, is you have to at least be playing competitive football in the month of November. Um, if you're out of it again in November, in my opinion, you should be gone. Um, but like you said, I think the number one thing that any Bengals fan will tell you about Zach Taylor is got to win the close games, got to win the games you're leading at halftime. The Bengals, there's some crazy stat out there. I'm not going to take the time to research it because this is a side hobby. Um, there's some crazy stat out there that the Bengals are one of the worst teams in the league under Zach Taylor at holding those halftime leads and winning those games. So improvement there, improvement in close games, and just winning is, is going to be plenty enough for me to be on the ZT train again for another year. Uh, so great question there by Brendan. Uh, next question from uh, this, this weird guy, David Shreve. Um, I don't exactly know who this is. I, I think he's tried to be in my inbox a couple of times. Do you think Joe Mixon will be as productive as 2019 after a down season with injuries? So personally, I do think Joe Mixon could be really good this year. And that is for one reason and one reason only. Well, two, I guess. Uh, first reason is the O-line's a lot better than it was in 2019. And uh, second reason, I think the offensive weapons on the outside are too good to stack the box. So I think that that benefits him greatly. Yep. Best. All I'll say on this question is the best of it availability is or the best ability is availability so until i see joe mixon play a full healthy 14 15 16 game season i guess 17 this year um i'm gonna have my doubts i think he can be as productive as he was in 2019 for the exact reasons that you said the o-line should be much improved um but i don't think that that's i don't think i would predict him to be all pro this year i think he'll have a very solid season and i think Similar to Jamar Chase, I think he'll be exactly what the Bengals uh, need him to be this year. Um, our next question comes from Jack Welsh, uh, a former neighbor of mine, current neighbor of yours. Um, which non-divisional matchup are you most excited to see this season and why? So, you say non-divisional? Non-divisional. All right, well, I mean, I I'm going to Cincinnati to see Patrick Mahomes play, so – I'm going to go watch my home goat play. And uh, I'm also excited for the Packers to come to town. I think that's going to be exciting too. Uh, I agree with both of those. I think uh, we can both agree we're very excited for the Jacksonville game, uh, Ring of Honor night, which, by the way, one topic that we forgot to mention, Ken Riley, Ken Anderson, once again, fucking snubbed by the Hall of Fame. Those voters can kiss my ass promptly. Um, the bias is ever-present. And I won't hear a single word to the other effect. If Ken Stabler's in the Hall of Fame, Ken Anderson should be in the Hall of Fame. And if half of these schmo DBs are on the Hall of Fame, Ken Riley should be in the Hall of Fame. So the Hall of Fame voting committee, you can kindly kiss my ass. It's bullshit the way you vote. And I don't respect anything that you put into the Hall of Fame. I think it's bullshit. Um, now back to the division, non-divisional matchup I'm excited to see. Jacksonville, very excited. And then you're – Fantasy quarterback is Mahomes, mine is Herbert, so I'm very excited for the charges. Is that game here? Yeah, Chargers game's here. Uh, so, 
Chargers game. Very excited to see that. Sorry to go on a rant. It just pisses me off that we don't get any respect. Um, great question there, Jack Welsh. Uh, very excited, hopefully, to go to a couple of games with you uh, this year. Uh, Andrew Brothers asks, which side of the ball are you most looking forward to seeing and why? Burrow and Mixon returning and Chase's rookie year on offense or the defensive improvements from new signings and individual improvements from Hubbard, Wilson, and Pratt? Yeah, so I think this is a tough one because I'm not sure if I'm more excited to see Joe Burrow back healthy with a healthy Mixon and Chase or I'm excited to see that new that new style defense that the coaching staff has been raving about. So if I had to choose, <clears throat> I'd honestly probably say the offense because um, it ju- it's going to be fun to see Joe Mixon, a healthy Joe Mixon along with healthy Joe Burrow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think anyone is lying to you if they say they're not excited to see this offense with Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase and Joe Mixon fully healthy. Um, but just to play devil's advocate, I'll say I'm more excited to watch the defense um, because it's been a long time since the Bengals had a defense that I think could be uh, this defense could be as good as some of those defenses we saw that took the Bengals teams to the playoffs in the 2010s. So I think I'm very excited to see, uh, and and I am very excited to see Logan Wilson. Um, I think we underestimate Logan Wilson. And I think that there is, um a certain element to the fact that he's only a second year that we kind of write him off as okay he's not really going to be anything too special but him he's calling the signals on the defense I think it'd give me it would be very uh awesome to see him come out and have a great season which I expect him to so I'm very excited to watch uh the defense if specifically the front seven so great question there by Andrew Brothers um Another question here. This one's from Johnny Utah 2015. Yep. <laughs> Will the Browns take a step back this year? Who wins the AFC North and who finishes last? So great question by my uncle. Um, so you. here. Yes, uncle. Thank, yes. Thank you. Um, yeah. So I think the Browns win the AFC North. I don't, I, I don't know what, and we are definitely not trying to jinx them by saying the Browns are going to win the AFC North. We would never do that. I mean, Baker, Baker sucks, but I think they do win the AFC North on the back of their O-line, their defense, and their running backs. Nothing to do with Baker. And I think the Ravens come in second, and I think it's a fight for third between the Steelers and the Bengals. And that might be me being very optimistic, but I think it's possible. I am in the same order as you. I have two future bets uh, on the Cleveland Browns, and I'm not even – I'm not trying to jinx them with either of these bets. Um, I have the Browns over 10.5 wins, and I have the Browns. If if you're betting on the Browns, they're going to win three games with your your betting luck. They might win four games. Yeah, I was pretty good last year, so (laughs) – but anyway – uh, I have the Browns over 10 and a half wins. I have the Browns to win the AFC North at plus 180. Uh, so I think the Browns do win the AFC North, but sidebar, I don't think there's any chance in hell they make the AFC championship game. Um, and unless, unless Chad Henney's playing again, and then they still couldn't win. So, yeah. Uh, Ravens second, I think the Bengals are clear third and then 
I don't have any faith that the Steelers win more than seven games. Uh, you can talk to me until the cows come home about how Mike Tomlin's never finished worse than 500. I don't care. Their offensive line sucks and they lost to Ryan Finley last year. So um, that's the end of that sentence. Thank you to your uncle for that great question. Um, I, I guess these were your uncle's friends that also got in here. We've got a question. What game gets the attention of high-level recruits, giving Texas a little boost in the recruiting game? You want to go first? Uh, ha having not looked at Texas's football schedule, I'm just going to say Oklahoma, um, because if Texas can finally beat Oklahoma, that kind of means they're worth a shit. So if Texas could beat Oklahoma, that, that would – give a boost to recruiting and get the attention of them. Yeah. So I think Texas really has to get their shit together before they join the SEC or they're going to turn into like an old miss. Or oh just yeah. A bigger, just a bigger brand old miss. Yeah. Or a bigger brand Mississippi state. So I, I, I like Steve Sarkeesian though. So. Yeah. I saw they just announced uh Hudson card as their starting quarterback. So we'll see how that goes. I bet they wish they had Quinn Ewers, but. Well, I mean, they, they can't, you know, they can't win in state battles with Alabama, Ohio State. I mean, who would want to go to Texas over those two right now? Um, and then another question I believe this is your uncle's yeah. uh, friend. What is Zach Smith's drug of choice? Um, first of all, we're an anti drug podcast. So uh, we don't condone the use of drugs uh, at all. That being said, Zach Smith is a wild ass motherfucker. I, I honestly, I, you know what, and this, and it's really, I don't even know if it's like a hard drug. I would say Adderall at the moment, probably. He's on something stronger than Adderall. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm not, I'm not really sure what he's on, but he's definitely on something. Yeah. Um, not a big fan of that guy. Uh, he's kind of a shit bag. So, um, but he's definitely on some, some stuff. Um, <laughs> so we'll leave it at that. Um, and then, Three more. Uh, so the first one, these are all from Nathan Gorbach. Um, shout out to Nate. He's currently recovering from a snapped ankle. I uh, hope you get better, but I don't cheer on the Patriots. So um, we, we, we appreciate the question nonetheless. Yeah. Uh, any reason why it would be a good thing to fall into the draft? Oh, any reason why it would be a good thing to fall into the draft trap of taking Joe Mixon early? Honestly, I would say no, because if the Bengals O-line was better, I would say yes. But I think the Bengals O-line still being kind of a question mark, I would say no. Along with them, they're going to pass the ball a lot. So I would say no. Um, yeah, I agree with that. I think that you can hear all you want from the coaching staff about how they plan to use Joe Mixon as a three-down back this year. It's not going to mean piddly-diddly if, if he can't stay healthy, which he hasn't proven he can. So I think that – He's a low-end RB1, high-end RB2. Uh, until he proves he can stay healthy, I don't think there's any, any reason to suspect he takes a vault into the top six of that position. Um, and just for some – maybe what I think, maybe I – th I even think James Robinson for one year, like this year, might be more safe than like Joe Mixon. So. Yeah. Uh, we've actually got our, our draft in his league coming up in a couple of weeks. So looking forward to that. Um, Number two from Nate, and this was the second story of the week. It's kind of like a fake story. Uh, it doesn't look like there's any substance to it, but 
any worry or concern about the Jamar Chase domestic abuse allegations? Um, I can kind of take this one first. Um, if they're true, he should be suspended um, because any guy that hits a woman, he shouldn't be in the league. Um, but it, it looks very shady. She, this girl posted these allegations, then immediately deleted them. So I'm not sure what to really make of it. But obviously, if they're real, um, let's not mince words. He's got to serve time, suspension, or prison, or, or whatever. So Absolutely. I mean, he needs to be prosecuted if if they're true. And yeah. I think that we both agree on that. I, domestic violence isn't an issue to there. There's really there should be no debate when it comes to to domestic violence issues. So he he should be suspended and or you know cut. I, I don't know if he'd be cut. I think he would be suspended, but. I, I think he definitely should be if, if the allegations are true. Yeah, so I'm kind of just in a wait-and-see approach um, until something more substantive comes out other than an Instagram story. Um, so really not any concern there uh, from either of us about anything pressing right now. Obviously concerned if they're true, but we'll wait and see if they do come out to be true. And the last question, I thought this was a fitting one to end on because I think this is where we're going to have the most disagreement. Uh, do you believe there's any chance that Zach Taylor doesn't survive a full season? So I know what you're going to say. Um, I think I know what you're going to say. I say he's going to survive a full season. Um, and I, you're already shaking your head. I think, I, and I, and I think it's because of his relationship with Joe Burrow. And I think it's because of the culture that they're finally building there. Um, and I think that, I don't know. I, I I think it's it's exciting to see now. Now, hold on. If 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 they're sitting there at two and twelve, he needs to go. But I don't think that's going to happen. I really don't think that's going to happen. So, go ahead. Um, so listen. If I was if I was the GM, well, there is no GM of the Bengals. If I was running the Bengals, you're uh, an eighty-seven year old man whose dad was the best or uh, the best coach in NFL history. He's eighty-six. Sorry, I apologize. 86. Um, I think that uh, if you end the month of October at anything less than 500 with the schedule that they have, you got to be done. Uh, they, okay. They play some bad freaking teams. They, they, could, they could realistically start off the season 3-0. But what I'm saying – 4-0, really – but what I'm saying is, okay, that's obviously us being optimistic Bengals fans. So, but what I'm saying is, who is going to take over for him if they fire him? Okay. And if you say, if you say Lou, I'm, I'm done. Well, no, Lou, Lou, I, I am. Even though the defense looks good, I'm still ready to fire Lou. I, I just don't like the guy. <laughs> yeah. Uh-uh. Yeah, I, I agree. With you. There's something about him. There's some, I don't know what it is. There's something about him. That just makes I mean, it, here's the thing. Darren Simmons was in the running the last time that, or when they fired Marvin, Darren Simmons got an interview. So if Zach Taylor does get fired midseason, it's almost assuredly going to be Darren Simmons who takes the reins and, and brings him home. And that'll be his audition. This roster is talented enough to be at least 500. So Darren Simmons gets, if Darren Simmons gets a fully healthy roster, that's his audition to be the head coach, and I'm perfectly fine with that. If Zach Taylor cannot let, let me pull up the schedule real quick, just to remind myself. If Zach Taylor 
cannot win four games, four games against Minnesota, Chicago, Pittsburgh, Jacksonville, Detroit, the Jets, and the Browns at home, if he can't win four of those games, he should not even be allowed to go back home after the Cleveland game. He should just, just send his stuff to wherever his brother Press lives. Just send his stuff there. He can live in his basement because he should be so far out of the town of Cincinnati by the time midnight Sunday night of that Browns week rolls around that you can't even realize that he lived in the house that he lived in. Okay. You get to play the Lions, the Jets, the Jags, and the Steelers. Those are four wins you should have easily. And then you get to play a bunch of these games at home. Oh, my God. I think think the schedule is very forgiving. So that's going to be the key because I think if they start off well in the beginning, they'll have some confidence. But if they lose some of those games close, I mean, we're looking at 4-13. and three and four. I mean, we're looking at a bad record. I think there is a very high chance that let's look at it this way. If they get off to a bad start, he's done. I think. So I don't think there's any way he makes it through the season, anything less than seven and 10. And and I think, but here's the thing though. I think he stays if they're seven and 10. Because seven and 10 is a great improvement for whatever the hell we watched the last two years. No, I agree. They have to get to seven wins. They have to hit my over of six and a half. They have to get to seven wins. Against I think they're schedule with this yeah. roster. But from this training camp and, and this year, how? when was the last time you were excited about a Bengals season? Like legitimately like, okay, like we have a quarterback. We have good weapons. Our defense is average. When's the last time? 2014? You're talking to the guy that thought we were going nine and seven last year. So this argument's falling on deaf ears. I mean, that that was just stupidity. (laughs) Stupid. I mean, no training camp, rookie quarterback. Now, now I have moved off playoffs or bust for Zach Taylor because the AFC is so competitive. But, Christ, if you cannot – I think there's two barometers that you have to look at this year. One, I think you have to win three games in the division this year. Either you beat everybody once or you sweep Pittsburgh and beat Cleveland once. You got to win three games in the division. You, you, you won one in both of the previous years. You got to win three. Yeah. The second thing to look at, and I said it already, are we playing competitive football into the month of December? If we're not, we got a problem. You say December or November? December. If you look at the December, the schedule leading up to December, they get the, no offense, they get the Raiders, Beal, I'm sorry. They get the Raiders, who are terrible. They get the Browns at home, Steelers at home, Jags, Lions, Jets, Bears. You got to win. You should be, you should have six or seven wins going into December so that then we've, we talked about the schedule that December schedule sets up for them to where if they win those games at home in December, they're in the playoffs. Now, do I expect them to win the games at home in December? Hell no. They're going to get their ass kicked by the chiefs, but you got to at least be in the position where, well, Chris Berman sitting on NFL primetime saying, if the Bengals win this game, they get interesting. Yeah. I, I think that's what we need. I need that in my life. So. 
I mean, they're going to end up, we can transition this right into the Reds update. Thanks for the questions, Nate. They're going to end up pissing down their leg exactly like the Reds did last night. So, yeah, I don't want to talk about it. I, uh, I was very disappointed last night, but Padres still lost. They'll game up. Mets lost. Phillies lost. So I think after last night, it's pretty clear. It's wild card or bust. And we've known that for a while, but we got our hopes up thinking we could sweep the Brewers, be five and a half back. Well, you guys have known that for a while. I've still had my hopes up on the division. So I think yeah. division officially, yes, is out of play. Yeah, division's out of play. I think now to be fair, I I think I think we got the wild card. I think we're in a really good spot for the wild card. Yes. So I think it's we're gonna be very able- these next five games are very important for the wild card. These two games against Milwaukee. We got Luis on the mound tonight, La Piedra, and then I think Sunny tomorrow. And then three games against the Miami Marlins, who suck. So Now, to be fair, last night hurts because Corbin Burns is a Cy Young candidate. And if you get four runs off Corbin Burns and your starter only gives up one run in five innings, you should be winning that game. Yep. Bullpen was awful last night. What else is new? Now, to, no, to be fair, Lorenzen hadn't given up a run in 12 or in 13 appearances. It doesn't so he matter. Was he was due, though. He was due. But I agree. That you, you need to win that game last night, but it's over. We can't do anything about it, so we got to move on. The age-old saying in sports, what have you done for me lately? He's still got a, he's still got a sub he, – he's got like a sub 2-8. Um, but, yeah, they're in the driver's seat for the wild card because the Padres' schedule gets hard as, hard as hell down the stretch. So, if the Reds can take care of their business – They'll be playing a wild card game on October 6th in LA at Chavez Ravine against the Dodgers. And you know what that means. The season will be ending October 6th in Los Angeles against the Dodgers. <laughs> yeah, you and I are in agreement on that one. I really, I really no, honestly I, hope that it's the Giants in that wild. Yeah, here. Yeah. So for the last thing for the Reds update, I think that um, as a Reds fan, I think that it's not a lock for us to make the playoffs, but I think it's a probably 70, 75% chance we make it. I think we need to look more at, we take care of our own business and then we pray to God, pray to God that the Dodgers overtake the Giants. Yes, because even though the Giants have been the better team all season, who would you rather play in a singular game? Would you rather face Walker Bueller and Clayton Kershaw in a game one wild card or would you rather face Kevin Gossman, who was a former Red? Kevin Gossman's a great pitcher this year, but I'd rather face Kevin Gossman than, than an all-star lineup of the Dodgers in a one game. Because, I, I mean, I think, honestly, realistically, it would be hard to beat either of them in, in the NLDS. But I think it is uh, – I think, I, think, I think we got a shot against the Giants in a one game. Now, either way, you cut the cookie, you're going to have to play both of them because if you <laughs> beat the one, you're going to have to play the other in five. So – We'll just leave that there. But I like the chances to at least make the playoffs. Um, and then it's, it's kind of trivial to be talking about next year already. But if you can make the playoffs this year, there is no way in hell you aren't the favorite to win the division next year with the roster that they have. So we'll leave it at that. Uh, the Reds have had a very good past couple of weeks. They've been winning a lot. Um, and so Joey Votto is just banging. He is banging right now. There's no other way to put it. Dude is 
perhaps the best first baseman in Reds history. Tony Perez, eh, no comment. Um, but Hall of Famer, no doubt at this point. So he is just on another planet. Um, Miguel Conroe is pretty close up there too. So <laughs> Patrick Kivlahan. All right. Let's hit a trivia and then get out of here. Um, I know we both have a lot of homework to do. Yeah, I, I sad part is I actually do. So, <laughs> all right, let's hear it. Um, the Bengals were the first team in NFL history to hold two quarterbacks to a zero passer rating in the same game. Goes with our defensive theme today. Minimum of 10 attempts. Who were they? And I'll okay. give you the theme. Was it the Browns? No. It was the New York Jets. Okay. What 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 time frame are we looking at here? Um, if I gave you the time frame, one of the answers would be evidently obvious. All right. Is it Mark Sanchez? No. Mark Sanchez like owned the Bengals. No, I know, I know. Mark Sanchez was. You would have thought he was a Hall of Famer. Who was like um, the only other famous Jets quarterback? Chad Pennington. No, no. This is okay. This is pre. Both Super Bowl runs. Joe Namath? Joe Namath is one. I don't think you'll get the other. Okay. Richard Todd. Okay. So. Well, I have a hot take about Joe Namath, but I don't want to make anybody mad listening. So uh, I'm going to hold my. I'm pretty sure I already took care of that with my Hall of Fame rant. So. I mean, Joe Namath has more picks and touchdowns. He has one Super Bowl. I, I, I don't. He's a cheese, He's basically Trent Dilfer. Uh, his stats screen Trent Dilfer. So I don't it's know. The same he's... reason that uh, Derek Jeter got unanimous vote into the Hall of Fame. If you play in New York, you get biased. So um, that's that's that. Um, looking forward, I don't know if we'll have an episode next week. Uh, we may just hold off and do two episodes uh, for Week One. That's up in the air. We'll decide that. Um, but regardless, look out on September the 6th. Yes, September 6th. We will have our first episode with guests. And those guests will be very spicy individuals. And we'll probably be getting into some trash talking as well, considering that the fantasy football season is upon us. So, We'll get into a little bit of fantasy in that episode. We'll get into some Bengal stories in that episode. We'll get into a lot of fun stuff. But for now, I think we leave you. Who day? I cannot. I don't think either of us can understate how excited we are to watch Joe Burrow run out of the tunnel on Sunday afternoon. It'll be electric. Who day, folks?